Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA Draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike King Milano, and joining me, as always, is Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, how are we doing this evening? Doing good, doing good. Hey, I'm pumped. Jasper was a late go for the pod. You know, I was expecting it to just be you and I, Mike, but Jasper came in and said, hey, canceled my hot date. I'm coming on the pod this week, so let's go. We got the, we got the, the, Three amigos back at it again. That's right. Uh, yeah, my hot date with work. Uh, that was that was a, a really sexy uh, night in front of me, um, taking orders for people and selling them wine. But you know what? Uh, even though I got called off of work and I'm going broke, it's okay because I have that sweet, sweet bet online ad read dollars coming my way. I am going to be fine. Uh, I'm going to be just like Mike. I'm going to be buying all this property in and around the, the the country um so i i can't wait for it i'm happy to be here guys and i'm happy to is this going to be our last podcast of of this 2022 year i'm thinking it could be that's I'm a good question next week you know might be a holiday week i guess we'll just have to see how the week's going but Thinking next week might be a holiday week. I know we're talking some New Year's resolutions for the Pistons later on in the show. So I guess I guess we'll wait and see. This could be the last one though, which and hey man, it's okay. been a memorable year we, here on the We pod- might stretch pod- one podcast into two. It's a late Hanukkah miracle. Um <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I'm I'm happy to have it. Uh, I think it's great, and yeah, I'm excited to get into this podcast, fellas. I definitely have some New Year's resolutions. I'm I'm sure you do too. Um, and God knows we need to get into this ad read or else I'm not going to be able to pay my rent this month. So please, Mike, it's, take it away for my sake. Yes. For this, for the sake of making sure that Jasper has enough money to pay rent. Um, we're going to go ahead and go right into our sponsor read. And of course our sponsor for this week, as it has been for the last several weeks, months, even is our good friends at bet online and basketball is back and bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head on over to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using our promo code believe that's b l e a v again betonline.ag join receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit 
Just make sure that you use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Let's get right into a podcast. I think we were probably scrambling for some stuff to talk about until the Troy Weaver extension really gave us a good old shot in the arm. Um, let's go ahead and start with the Troy Weaver extension. According to ESPN, Pistons did extend the contract of general manager Troy Weaver. You know, we talked a lot about in the summer on how this is an important season for Troy Weaver and the Pistons in general because of how poor they've been. Let's just say poor, how poor they've been the last several seasons. And given the lack of success, is Troy Weaver on the hot seat? That was sort of our question coming into the year. And we all sort of agree, probably not, because expectation should still be tempered, even with Jay Nivey incoming. But to give it an extension, you know, is a show of faith. It's a show of faith that whatever process they are embarking on is working. Certainly, there are some positives from his reign as leading the structure, or rather the construction of this team. What do you guys think about the Troy Weaver extension? Is it a little bit too soon? Is the show of faith a good thing, bad thing? You know, what are your thoughts? I think this will be the unpopular opinion. Um, from my point of view is, look, the Pistons are 8-25. and 25. Uh, It's going to be the, the third year in a row of being at the bottom of the conference, being at the bottom of the league in terms of records, in terms of standings. And to me, it just felt like, this point in the season was there necessarily a rush to get this done to 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 extend him right now uh, because of what I just said you know this is another losing year for Detroit and obviously Kate Cunningham's out for the season that certainly plays a big part in that but the truth is they were bound for that with or without Kate Cunningham from what we had seen from the 11 games that he appeared in and that's not all on Troy Weaver of course but when you're the general manager, when you're constructing this team, and Troy Weaver constructed this team, he tore this team down to its core and rebuilt it in his eyes. And and in turn, the Pistons have been absolutely awful every year in his tenure. Now, that also comes with guys have to make plays, guys have to get better, the coaching has to be there. And we have each had our gripes with players' development, with the coaching, and all of that. So it's obviously not just on him. And this certainly isn't me saying, oh, the Pistons needed to get rid of Troy Weaver or, you know, Troy Weaver. This is not me saying Troy Weaver has been terrible by any stretch of the imagination. You know, there are some some moves that I, I've really liked of him. I think he's done a good job so far uh, just overall. But it feels like getting this done right now when everything is seemingly going wrong for your franchise it just felt a little odd to me. And again, not that I wanted Detroit to to fire him or not extend him. It just felt like, look, you're eight and 25. What's the rush right now? The team well, has not gotten better under his tenure. It, it's, it's really not. So going into another off season, seeing what happens there, giving it another year to kind of look at that situation. Whereas 
Detroit, the last couple of seasons, has, has said, look, we want to come in and we want to take that step towards the playoffs. We want to take that step towards competing. And each year, they've been unable to do that. And there have been moves that have been made by Troy Weaver that kind of go against all of that type of stuff that we hear at have heard at the beginning of the last two seasons. And whether it's trading away uh, someone like Mason Plumley just to get off of his contract whether it's trading away Jeremy Grant. Now, obviously, you know, that was done so that they had that uh, first-round pick to then eventually trade for Jalen Duran. But obviously, in terms of guys that are going to help you win now, Jeremy Grant's a win-now guy if you're trying to put a playoff contending team out there. And here we are, 30 games into the season, and we're hearing conflicting reports that Boyan Bogdanovich is available. Alec Burks is available. The Pistons are going to move them. They're just trying to play hard to get right now. Two guys that, out of everyone on the roster, have made the majority of the winning impact on this team this season. So, just felt a little odd to me. Not saying Troy Weaver needs to go or anything, but middle of the year where you're everything's going wrong, it just felt a little misplaced. Hmm. See, Aaron, I almost interrupted you there for a second because I, I truly disagree with what you're saying here. Uh, I, I thought that this was not only the right move, I thought it was a necessary move. Troy Weaver signed a four-year deal in 2020, meaning that next year is his last year of his original contract. When you're going into next season with a manager on the last year of their deal, I think that especially when you're a team like the Pistons that is trying to make those moves in free agency, uh, that is trying to make those moves to move up in terms of wins and losses for next season. I, I think having a lame duck manager in there, GM, I, I think it really hamstrings you in what you're trying to do there. You need to have that continuity right now if you're the Pistons. And I get what you're saying about the team not playing very well right now, about there having been some moves that I don't agree with that maybe, yeah, it's a little weird timing to do it while you're in the midst of a season that is, you know, going so poorly. But at the same time, I think you have to look at the track record. Overall, Troy Weaver has not missed, full-out missed, on any of his picks so far. You can debate Killian, but other than that, all the other picks he's made in the first round have paid off. I think even more so, what it shows is that this is a organization that is committed to uh, staying the course, I think it's one that is not going to just throw up their hands and say, well, we haven't won in the few years that we've had Troy Weaver here, so we're going to switch gears. I don't think that's where you can be right now as an organization. The other thing, too, is that we don't know for how long this extension is, and that is a factor in there as well. Look, if if it's an eight-year extension, then yeah, I'm with you. That's way too much. Much. But if it's a two-year <laughs> extension, then I think that that makes a lot of sense because then you can go into next offseason having a level of continuity in your organization from the front office to the roster. You can have this guarantee that any free agents you're going to be bringing in, any rookies you're going to be bringing in are going to be working with the people that have brought them in there at least for the next couple of years. And if things don't work out, well, then guess what? The year Kate Cunningham's contract is going to be over and he's going to leave. That's going to be 2025. Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart are going to be 2024. And 2026 is going to be Jaden Ivey. 
So if this isn't working out, at that point, you'll know Troy Weaver's moves from the beginning of his tenure haven't succeeded, and you're at a point where you can reasonably let go of him and rebuild from there. I think for me, this is this is actually a really good move. I think it makes a lot of sense uh, because it gives you a level of flexibility moving forward, but it also gives people from outside and within the organization a feeling of stability and a feeling that you are staying the course and that you have a plan. Not that, hey, if we don't win next year, everybody's gone. And I, I think that that's really important when you're dealing with a team with so many young players that need so much help in terms of free agency. So so here's my point of view. I don't necessarily think it's safe to say or fair to say that Weaver has, you know, not made any mistakes in terms of drafting. Like Kate Cunningham was everybody's number one pick. Everyone was going to draft Kate Cunningham if they had the number one pick. Gillian Hayes looks like a pretty big misfire, even if you and I and everyone else, you know, was saying, hey, I think Killian's the right pick at seven. And, and to be fair, not everyone was saying that, but I was, and I'm and I know that others were. Obviously, you miss out on a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, who plays the same position and is having an incredible season. And you have people imagining what that would be like if he were on the Pistons now. You look at Sidiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart, who are decent players. But we've also had our moments throughout the last year and, and this year as well talking about, man, these guys just aren't cutting it. There's been literal regression with Sadiq Bay, and it's hard to see Isaiah Stewart fitting in long term right now. So it's like it's not like those picks have really brought something to Detroit that's now in year three. I mean, players should be contributing to a winning effort in year three, and these guys – Sadiq Bay's coming off the bench because he's regressed so much. Isaiah Stewart, I think, over this last stretch, since he's gotten back, he's moved to the four. Jalen Duren starting alongside him. It's looking better for him, but it's not like everything's just been all fine and dandy with those two picks as well. I go back. Yeah, but I'm not saying that he that he nailed all those picks. That's not the same thing I'm saying. I'm saying he didn't miss on them per se. And by that I mean like I look, look, you look at that 2020 lottery after Killian Hayes. Absolutely. Troy Weaver, Devin Vassell, and Tyrese Halliburton. Those are those are two guys that were taken after Killian Hayes in the lottery that are better than him, that would be better on this team. There's no question. But look at the guys that got taken right after him. Obi Toppin, Denny Abija, uh Jalen Smith, um Kira Lewis Jr., Aaron Neesmith, Cole Anthony. Are these necessarily guys that you think are going to be better than than Killian Hayes when it's all said and done. Maybe they are a little bit now, some of them, but some of them are just straight up busts. Some of them are guys that are already on their second team. One of them is out of the league altogether in Kira Lewis Jr. So I think for me, when I look at something like this, I don't know, man. I, I see Killian Hayes still being a guy who is a backup, backup point guard on this team. That wasn't a very good draft altogether. They got three NBA players out of that, in my opinion, and three usable ones. So for me, I, I can't. Yes, you can absolutely ding Troy Weaver for taking Killian Hayes over Tyrese Halliburton. But other than that, like he has gotten NBA players with his pick so far. And the ones that he didn't in Saban Lee, he was able to flip along with a bad signing in, in Kelly Olynyk for a really good player in Boyan Bogdanovich. So the mistakes he's made, he's made up for in other aspects. I'm not saying he's perfect, 
But I think the track record is there and it's enough of a track record to where you can justify giving him a couple more years. I just think that it's it's kind of a no-brainer for me. See, I just I just disagree because you're you're at the bottom of the conference once again for another year. You're a lottery destination once again. And these guys that we have drafted, the Pistons have drafted, we're having these conversations about. And it's like, look, again, as I said right away, I'm not saying the Pistons needed to move on or should be lining up the next GM to replace Troy Weaver. But right now, it just didn't seem like the right time. Like, on Do the you, Aaron, what they're saying of wanting to have continuity, it's like maybe your GM needs to have a fire under him going into his contract year. Like the same way a player needs to have a fire under them to, to take a step forward in their contract year to like go out and make moves that are going to really impact this team. It's like the Boyan Bogdanovich trade, like that was great. That's what the team needs more of those types of moves because they have to start taking that next step. This franchise cannot be a bottom dweller year in and year out. And here there needs to be Aaron, I, I have to interrupt you for one second. I have one question for you. And, and that is, this will be my last thing. Do you think yes or no, the organization from, from the GM, the ownership, the coach, do you think they came into this year saying we're going to win? Or do you think that they looked at this year as we might get lucky but the fact of the matter is we're expecting to be picking in the top seven of the draft once again. Yes the or no? Organization came in and said, our goal is to take the next step this year to get close. I, I know they said that, but like, really, do you really think the organization Troy Weaver came into this year expecting to compete for the play? Why would they have traded for Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks and those made those types of moves if they weren't anticipating? Because they were because they were good deals. They were excellent deals. There's no why would you turn down a, a good deal well, just because it's you, not like they you got know, draft capital back in those. So in, so so no. My my question is do you. So you do think they came into this into the season expecting to compete for a playing spot? That's what we were told. Okay. I me personally, I don't buy that. So for me, it doesn't. I don't. I don't share the same opinion you do. If you feel that way, if you really think that they were saying that, not just to say it, but because they actually believed it, then absolutely, I see where you're coming from. I, mean, I don't. So all of them saying that, and obviously things have gone awry. And again, it's not all on Troy Weaver. Like you can't, you can't blame Troy Weaver for Kate Cunningham going down with a season-ending injury. But you look at the roster and you see they don't have backup wings. Like they, 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 they bid against themselves to pay forty million dollars for Marvin Bagley. It's like so you, so you think like Troy Weaver should be going into free agency this offseason as a lame duck GM. I just I can't justify that. Is it is it being a lame duck though? It's like you've you've got to make moves that are eventually going to get this team towards winning. You've I, got I, to I totally agree. But like, why if I'm a free agent and I have a guy that's bringing me in and saying, "Hey, I want you here. You're part of the team I'm trying to build." Oh, by the way, I might be gone next year. I, I don't know, man. I, for me, if I'm a free agent, I'm looking at a team like Detroit that is not necessarily a destination right now where you're guaranteed to win, where you're certainly not guaranteed a championship. I want something there that's going to be like, hey, I am at least know I'm going to get playing time. I at least know what my role on this team is going to be before I sign a three, four, five-year deal. I want to know that the people that signed me are still going to be there. That's how I feel about it. That's the last I'll say on it because we we, we we can move on. If you want to finish something else, Mike or Aaron, please feel free. But for me personally, if I'm building a roster, I, I can't justify having a lame duck GM 
bringing in those guys. And, and if I was an agent for one of those players, I'd be like, uh, I, I wouldn't sign anything long-term. That, that's what I'd say. Okay. Yeah. We disagree. That's fine. I'll Mike can, who hasn't had a chance to say anything, I guess we got to let him get his turn in there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This is, this is all good discussion. I was looking up all of Troy Weaver's moves since he came on and I think he's drafted perfectly fine. There's certainly nothing in there that's going to, you know, there's no skipping Luka Doncic type of type of player uh, or at least a type of misfire that, you know, Vladi Divac had with the Kings or, you know, anything that's so utterly egregious. You know, I, I think it's interesting when we talk about were the Pistons planning on being competitive because when they traded Jeremy Grant, I kind of thought, Oh, okay. Well, either Jeremy asked for a trade or, you know, the Pistons just want to free up some, some space to let the young guys play whoever it is that they have on the wing and just let them play. And, you know, the plan for next year is as, as being the, the year where they want to, you know, make a little bit more noise. And then they did trade for Bogdanovich, which sort of swings me back in the direction of, well, maybe they did think that they could compete with the guys that they do have. And Kate Cunningham's injury just sort of derailed it. Um, I'm not going to. I mean, they gave up, they gave up nothing for Bogdanovich. They gave up nothing. It was a risk-free move. Right. Um, and I'm sure if other contenders around the league had seen that, that that was the trade, they would have ponied up um, additional assets to be like, oh, shoot, we can beat Cash, Saban Lee, and Kelly Olynyk. Sure, here. Um, and they just didn't. Um, and trading Bogdanovich would, would, of course, swing us back in the other direction of, okay, they just want to accumulate a bunch of assets and maybe turn in all of their chips for whatever big you know, peace becomes available in the summer. I do agree with Jasper a little bit on the lame duck GM thing. I We don't know the dynamics of agent to GM to player and how that factors. Guys are very particular about the organizations that they go to. And, you know, not that the Pistons are in the running for a Kevin Durant-esque guy, but, you know, players want stability. And I know that Durant basically sized up the Brooklyn Nets entirely before he decided he wanted to go there. And I think more and more players do that now. Um, great job, Kevin. It really matters. Yeah, great work. Uh, you really <laughs> misfired there. It, Nailed it. It was, the, it was the point guard that you decided to attach at your hip. But Which one? There, there's two of them. That's 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 a good point. Are we going to count uh, Steve Nash? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Three um, if you're counting Nash. Three point go. guards. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think the stability – does does matter and we don't know how long this contract is for the detroit free press said that this was signed over the summer so this has really been quietly put into place for many months um and you know maybe maybe the years is the difference we don't know what that is um it's probably not eight i'd be i'd be pretty shocked if it was eight yeah. um but that 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 does that does make some sort of a difference in how we're going to assess this um, so I won't be the one to pick which side I'm on. I think that you do need to keep some stability though. If you're going you know, if you're, if you're going to keep going after guys in, in the off season, you want to have what looks to be a stable organization. I think that's why they've kept Dwayne Casey as well. I mean, they've had every opportunity they've could have taken any exit on the fire Dwayne Casey highway and they have decided not to. 
Um, and I think that that is a byproduct of we want to have some stability with a veteran coach who's been here through the absolute worst of what an NBA team can go through. Multiple top five picks. They're going to get another one this year. And they're going to keep him because that matters. And then once they're ready to win, and I think the Cavs are going to be doing this with J.D. Bickerstaff because he was kind of in the similar boat, they're going to move on from him eventually, but not right now. They need stability to sign guys, to get guys comfortable, to sort of glue them together as a more cohesive unit. So I think it was a necessary thing to sign Troy Weaver. And, hey, if this happened over the summer, this was this could have been before the draft. It could have been, you know, at the tail end of free agency. We just, we just don't know the timing of this and you know that might matter as well. So we'll just agree to disagree, but it's good conversation. Um, this is a good segue into our stock report. Um, guys, let's go ahead and discuss who we have moving up. Uh, Aaron, you go first. Yeah. So this week moving up Jalen Duran. I mean, look at the way that that he's continuing to to step up for Detroit. He's officially taken over the starting five spot. And this guy looks like he is going to be a major impact player for the Detroit Pistons long term. He's putting up 15 and 14 games. I mean, he, it, it literally is reminiscent of the Andre Drummond performances without a lot of the headache that tends to come with it at times. Yeah. Uh, he does a much better job of not getting in foul trouble. Uh, he obviously gives you a little bit more presence on the defensive end. And, and there's still a lot that he obviously has to work on with his game, whether it's the screen setting, uh, you know, expanding his offensive repertoire to not really just being that that play finisher at the rim on, in terms of dunking uh, and, you know, getting those offensive rebound layups, things like that. But the impact that he's made, uh, the, 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 the duo of him and Stewart in the front court, albeit far, far from perfect, uh, it looks much, much better. And Jalen Duran has just, I mean, as the youngest player in the league, I couldn't imagine he was going to have uh, this much of an impact on this team this soon. Uh, I'm just really, really impressed with him. And, you know, as, even though I know people are going to think I was bashing Troy Weaver in the opening segment, like you absolutely have to tip your cap to him uh, for going out, being aggressive and getting the necessary asset to make that deal, uh, to get the pick that would become Jalen Duran because Man, he just he fits perfectly for this team uh, long term and, and really, really excited to see his development continue moving forward. Oh, I'm totally with you on that one, Aaron. I, I love that pick. You know, one of the things I've noticed about Jalen Duran, and obviously the scoring, the rebounding is awesome. The passing, I, it's been my thing with him since like day one is I'm so excited to see what he can do as a passer. And I've noticed, especially over the last week, he's been throwing a lot more passes, especially when he's in the post out to shooters. And it's not perfect right now. He's still learning there, but you're starting to see that come along a little bit. He had his first four assist night uh, against Philly last night. And, and I did not think that that was a coincidence. You can see them trusting him more and more as every game goes along. I love that pick. Um, I'm going to go with the other rookie in this draft class. It's got to be Jalen, Jaden Ivey, excuse me. Uh, over the last three games, we're talking Brooklyn, Utah, Philly. He is averaging, gentlemen, 22.3 points per game, two assists, almost four rebounds, almost a steal and a half. And these shooting splits are just crazy right now. 55% uh, overall. 50% from three, he's only 
hitting 65% of his free throws, but guess what? He's getting to the line 7.7 times per game. That is a ridiculous amount of free throw attempts, uh, even for a team that goes to the free throw line an awful lot. And that's a big reason why you brought in a guy like Jaden Ivey to be next to Cade Cunningham, who doesn't draw a lot of fouls, gives you that explosiveness. You've seen so much of it over these last couple of games. And I've been so excited to see him using his pace a lot more effectively, especially uh, getting the ball after rebounds, pushing the ball up the court, getting the uh, getting the ball uh, after after scores and, you know, beating the other team all the way back to the layup. It's been awesome, uh, especially against Utah. That was just like explosive. He could not miss in that game. It was fantastic watching him operate when he's going. Man, he is just so strong, so physical, so fast, so athletic. He is a total pain to deal with. You've seen it over the last three games, and I love watching this progression from Jaden Ivey. Um, it's really special to watch. There's still obviously parts of his game that need to progress. 2.3 assists to three turnovers per game is not ideal, but you know what? You'll take it at this point. Um it's about having the, the the complete games now, but you're starting to see the scoring come along really consistent. It's, it's been beautiful to watch, gentlemen. Those were both of my picks. Uh, that was my first and my second pick. I, I was in the same boat. My first was Jalen Duran. I, I think from now on, I'm, I'm just going to say F, F y'all, and I am going to go first so I don't have to deal with, <laughs> deal with this constantly uh, having all of my choices taken. I put in the chat that, you know, Jalen Duran is, is, you know, potentially going to be more impactful than Jay Ivey. He's just a smart big man. And Tim Forkin, who, who hosts the uh, excellent Palace of Pistons After Dark podcast, plugging that podcast for Tim, uh, said that he's self-aware Andre Drummond, which <laughs> does have some merit to it because there were times where you wondered – what exactly Andre Drummond was doing in the middle of a game. There were other times where you're like, holy crap, he has how many rebounds? And then your times, there are times where you're watching him play and you're like, does he know what's happening? Does he, does he know the score? Does he know how many fouls he has? Jalen Duran is a smart player for being like 19 years old. And I noticed the passing as well. He's not, you know, afraid to make the extra pass particularly when he is in the post or when he is inside um, off of an offensive rebound or, you know, and to get a better look, he's, he's willing to make that extra pass. He, so he's a very smart player. Um, he has been excellent. Jaden Ivey has been great. He put up 30 points against Utah jazz. They just got killed by Larry bird. Um, but otherwise <laughs> was uh <laughs> was a, a very positive game. The shooting is coming around. The, the, the playmaking is still something to be um, something to be desired, but you know he is playing with a roster that is probably not going to be the same roster as it's going next year. He's sort of their primary guy to generate offense. So he did his job and that's to put up points and he certainly did that. Guys, what about fallers? Oh man. Well, Mike, first off, first? I was going to say, I was going to say Greg Kelser was comparing Lori Markkinen to uh, Kevin Durant on the broadcast in that Utah oh. game. And whenever somebody is comparing Lori Markkinen to Kevin Durant, 
you know you're in trouble. <laughs> so that's bad. Um, yeah, you're in big trouble. He has Mike, been outstanding though all year. I feel, I feel like you should start us off. It's only fair with who who do you have falling this week? Um, I'm just kind of tired of watching Marvin Bagley. Mm. I can't explain. He he shot one for five last night. I just don't like watching him play. He's very offensive. He's basically the antithesis to Jalen Duran, which is a smart player who could be a rim protector and scores when he has an opportunity to that doesn't kill an offense. And Marvin Bagley isn't that. He's kind of the opposite, where he's going to seek out scoring opportunities and is not always super efficient at them and is a defensive turnstile. So I'm just kind of tired of watching Marvin Bagley. I'm just annoyed at the contract he got. I'm just annoyed at any potential minutes he takes up over Stewart or Jalen Duran. So my faller is Marvin Bagley, mostly just a faller in my opinion of, of, of seeing him on the court. Yeah. I I'm with you on that one, man. I, I was going to say like, it's been night and day with Duran replacing him in the starting lineup, uh, especially with the rebounding. Like you're really noticing it. Uh, Bagley and Stewart, mm, ba- uh, Duran and Stewart. Yeah, that works. That works just fine for me. And you're even seeing Isaiah Stewart progress as a power forward because he's with right. Jalen Duran now. Um, yeah, it, I'm with you on that one. Uh, with Bagley, and, isn't and it? I don't think I don't think either of us would have said at the beginning of the season after we drafted Jalen Duran, we thought that those two could play together and that would be feasible. But no. Stewart and Duran seems like it's has some legs to it. You know what? Troy Stewart saw it. Uh, Troy Weaver saw it, and uh, good for him on that. Uh, I- I'm going to go with Killian Hayes, and this one kind of hurts because, you know, we have been talking about him playing better overall since entering the starting lineup, but the, the last four games, I- I'm going to go back to the Sacramento game. They just have not been very kind to him. Um, we're-, we're talking nine points a game, five assists, three rebounds, but he is shooting – from the field and 7% from three on three and a half attempts per game. Um, It's, it's hard because, you know, I I have to say Killian Hayes has played better uh, since he entered the starting lineup, starting in that Boston game. And obviously since Kate Cunningham went down, but the fact of the matter is he just hasn't been good over the last few games. And while it's been nice to see the increased scoring uh, confidence, the scoring aggressiveness. The fact of the matter is, gentlemen, he is still shooting. His true shooting percentage is 47% as a starter this year. He has not shot well. And I, I definitely think that, you know, we were talking about it when he first started putting together these games. Was it, is this who he is now? Or is this just water reaching its level? I'm a little worried that it was water reaching its level and that he is, you know, despite being more confident, despite being, yes, overall a better player, still highly inefficient, still not a good shooter, still a guy that's going to struggle at times and, you know, bring down your offense as a scoring threat. The versatility he's bringing everywhere else is still good, but I do think that, you know, the additional minutes have taken a toll on him defensively. I don't think he's been very, honestly, overall this year, I think he's taken a step back defensively and especially over the last few games i would agree i I just i've seen him getting beat off the dribble so much more than i've seen him get beat off the dribble in years past and in years past it was okay because he has that great recovery ability you know he'd get beat off the dribble but he's able to move his feet and shift to get ahead of guys 
And even if he doesn't block the shot, even if he doesn't get fully in front of them, he's able to disrupt them. I haven't seen as much of that, especially over the last week. And it's something that's been concerning to me a little bit. The playmaking has definitely taken a step back as well. The assist numbers are still pretty good, but their assist numbers because, you know, he somebody's got to play point guard. And I just haven't seen the dynamism in the playmaking. Uh, and that, along with poor efficiency, not amazing defense, to me, my stock on Killian Hayes is definitely pointing down over the last week. Yeah, I was in the same boat. Killian was going to be my pick as well. I mean, he's, you know, hasn't made a three-pointer throughout the last three games. I think Hayes has really taken a step back defensively all this year. Uh, because like you said, he just gets beat off the dribble every single time. And, you know, I don't know if this is something you guys noticed, but at least to me, it feels like he gets away with a lot more hand contact than most players do. Yes. Once a, once a player gets Killian on his hip, he's just gone. Killian doesn't get it, get recovered. He doesn't stay in front. And, and that's been a big problem this year. Um, I think it's getting exposed more and more because teams are just starting to attack him because the refs are either going to call the foul or they're going to get past Killian. And you mix that in with the inefficiency scoring the basketball, which has been a problem all year, but looked like it was maybe starting to turn the corner over the last couple of weeks. The step, the step back, certainly disappointing. Um, I guess if I had to go with someone else real quickly here, it, it's it would be Sadiq Bay still trying to to, to figure out how he's going to fit in the second unit. You know, you'd hope this would be an opportunity for him to really sort of take the reins of the second unit, be the number one dog. Uh, but it just it hasn't been there. He's still shooting forty percent from the, the court over the last three games. You know, he's not really doing any distributing. He's averaging under an assist. He's averaging 0.7 assists per game. He's averaging 0.7 turnovers per game. So he's just really not doing all that much for this team right now. He's uh, got a negative 12 net rating and he's just, he just doesn't know where, where he is right now. I think he's really starting to, to see that he doesn't have the confidence in himself that he maybe had his rookie year. Like his rookie year, he was a gunner and he was going to go out there and he was going to play his game and going to get his shots. And you know, even with the struggles last year, it felt like once he got out of that sort of slump to start the year, he figured out, all right, let me get back to playing that confident form of basketball where I'm going to get my shots. I'm going to be aggressive with the ball. And this year we just haven't seen that. This just uh, another week in the wrong direction for Bay. You'd like to envision that he could be a big part of the second unit, but it just hasn't been there yet. So waiting to see if, if he can turn it around there. Yeah, He's been invisible over the last few games. I mean, there was, there was genuinely, there was a point in the Sacramento game where he had been out there for multiple minutes and I did not realize it. It it was bad. He was just doing nothing. He, he was doing his Pat Bev thing, running around doing, doing nothing. Um, I, one last thing on the Killian thing. I will say, I remember earlier on in the season, Dwayne Casey talking about how, how Killian's played through some nagging, you know, bumps and bruises this year and how he's really proud of him for that. I really do wonder if that has been a factor in, in him playing more poorly defensively this year. I wonder if that's affecting his speed a little bit. Um, and even more so, I think him not playing alongside Cade and playing along Jaden Ivey has taken away defensively from one of the strongest aspects of his game, which is his ability to play passing lanes. 
He's had to be the on-ball defender for opposing teams' best perimeter player this year. And I think doing that has taken away from his ability to get into the passing lanes, disrupt them, uh, anticipate passes, and get those steals like he was doing so much of last year. I know, Mike, you'll remember the Cleveland games. I mean, he was torturing Cleveland with his with his play in the passing lanes. He had that one six-steal game. He hasn't had those this year. And I think a big reason for that is that he's now, instead of playing more off-ball on the second-best perimeter player, he's playing on-ball with the best perimeter player. I think that's hurting him a lot there, too. Yeah, I mean, it, just overall, it just seems like his defensive impact is reduced. And, you know, maybe that is the reason why. he's He's been asked to do a lot more on perimeter defense and isn't sort of able to be like a free safety um, yeah. into the, uh, you know, into the passing lanes. I never really thought of it that way, but and, you know, and, and, there and was even just think, something wrong. And even think about like the fact that where he is when he is the on-ball defender, he's got to check the guy at the top of the key, which means he's getting stuck on screens. He's got to get up. So in order to, to prevent the pull-up, um, you know, every good point guard in this league shoots a pull-up three. So you have to to cover them when they're bringing the ball up the court. And I think for me, if he's off ball, he's able to take a little bit of a step back and attack guys defensively when they catch the ball, meaning that he's able to use his recovery, which is his best defensive skill as, as a defender. He's not able to use that when he's on ball primarily. So I think just he's been put in worse situations. I think it's a combination of the two. He's taken a setback, and he's also not in the right situations for him. He's not being put into the right right position to to do the things he's best at. So I think it's kind of twofold there. Yeah, just his overall defensive impact just seems reduced this year. So you know, perhaps that that is why. Um, I'm sure he'd love to make a New Year's resolution about making sure that Kate is healthy next year so he doesn't have to do this as much. But uh, unfortunately, he's just going to have to wait it out. So with that, and New Year's resolutions and my, you know, D-plus of a segue into New Year's resolution talk, <laughs> um, let's talk about some things that the Pistons should have as their New Year's resolutions. This, this would be better for a podcast next week, but we genuinely don't know if we're going to have one, so – we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions right now. We'll skip over Christmas presents and go right to resolutions, um, just like everybody uh, eventually does when the gym is crowded with a bunch of people that won't be there in three weeks. Um, so let's talk about New Year's resolutions for the Pistons. Um, Aaron, go ahead and, and start and give me a New Year's resolution for, for this team as we head into a, a pivotal 2023 yeah, the New Year's resolution for the Pistons simply needs to be to to find a defensive identity. Uh, this is a team that's 29th in defensive rating. They're bottom of the league in rebound in defensive rebounding. They give up, you know, they only average 31.8 rebounds a game. They don't turn teams over. They're bottom of the league in steals and blocks. They give up a ton of second chance points. They give up a ton of points in the paint. You know, the only thing that they can they they can hang their hats on is they don't give up a, a bunch of pass break points. They don't give up a, a bunch of points off uh, of turnovers, but they just don't have a, an identity on the defensive side of the floor. They're a complete hack on that side as well. Uh, there's not a high compete level to use Dwayne Casey's terminology. Guys just do not lock in on that side of the court. And I feel like that translates to their issues 
uh, on offense half the time. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like they come into games locked in uh, on a consistent basis. And it starts defensively. It's cliche and all that, but it really does start on the defensive side of the floor. And that's why the best teams in the league are usually the best defenses in the league. Like you can sort of tread water sometimes if your offense isn't great, if you have a legitimate defense and the Pistons are obviously bottom of the league and the defense is a, a very big part of it. They just do not play on that side of the ball. I don't think it's something that they've ever really been particularly good at uh, under Dwayne Casey, but this year has certainly stood out more than others. They just every night are giving up 115 points. I mean, they gave up 113 points uh, to the 76ers, and that was their 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 best total in probably six or seven games. If you go back and look through the schedule, I mean, the 120 point games are 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 not a small number. This is a team that you know they have to score 130 because they're going to give up 120. So if they're going to win, they, they they've got to have just a huge irregular offensive night because they do not play a lick of defense. So they have to figure out what, what their defensive identity is going to be. Maybe putting Jalen Duran in the starting lineup, moving Isaiah Stewart to the floor. Maybe it helps with that, but you know, until you get that commitment from, from your guards, the teams are going to be able to penetrate. They're going to be able to get open shots because guys like Killian Hayes, guys like Jaden Ivey, and then these guys coming in off the bench, you know, they're just not they're not doing their part. And that's gotta change moving forward. If this team's, you know, ever gonna start to get better, you have to start putting in those good habits at some point. You know, if you're you don't have it offensively most nights, you're just not talented enough offensively most nights. That's one thing. But to get outworked on the defensive end night in and night out, you no, know, that's just that's bad habits. That sets a bad precedent for your team as you try to eventually take that step, whenever that's gonna be with this organization. You know, you have to start putting putting the groundwork down and they haven't done it on that side of the court. And for an organization that, you know, prides themselves on grit, grind, toughness, defensive mentality, you know, that has to change as these players, you know, routinely talk about the history of this organization and how they played with that grit and toughness. That's got to change. They've got to start playing with that that sort of energy on that side of the floor or it's never going to get better. So that's that's the identity. That's what my New Year's resolution for the Pistons is you've got to start figuring out the defensive foundation of this team. I could and not to oh, your sorry. point. Nope. No, just no. to give um, some context for, for Aaron's defense, uh, his, his point, they gave up 113 points to the 76ers. The last game where they gave up fewer than that was December 7th against the New Orleans Pelicans. They gave up 104. So, Weeks they have been giving up uh, quite a bit of just I mean high volume. I mean maybe we don't count the Hornets one as much, but I mean that was a that was a barn burner of a game. But yeah, it's it's been a while. Yeah, like you said, it's been about two weeks. So, yep, the defensive identity for sure. All right, go ahead, Jasper. Yeah, no, what I was going to say is my New Year's resolution for this team is to continue playing Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran a combined 60 minutes in the starting lineup every night moving forward, as long as they're both healthy. This is the future of this team, especially with Kay Cunningham out for the season. There is nothing more crucial, in my opinion, moving into next season than seeing what these two players have to offer to your squad 
to your organization and where they are moving forward, increasing the amount of, of, of uh, development that you're able to get out of them this year. Since Jalen Duran moved into the starting lineup seven games ago, he and Jaden Ivey have combined for 60 minutes per game. And in that time together, the, the Pistons have not been amazing, but they've been much better with those two on the floor together than they have been overall. Their, advanced, their, their net rating in that time period has been uh, negative eight. Their defensive rating uh, is 120 points per possession. With Ivy and Duran on the floor together, those lineups are negative 5.5 in terms of their net rating, and their defensive rating is almost a full five, is more than five points better while they're on the floor. So for me, those are two guys that are making your team better as of right now when they're on the floor together, both defensively and offensively. You are being able to progress them as players. You're able to develop them. You have a better lineup when they're on the floor together. And there's just nothing more crucial to your team than figuring out what those two guys are. So for me, my New Year's resolution is to commit to Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran to give them every opportunity in the world to succeed. Because guess what? As of right now, your best chance to win games is with those two players on the floor together. That is my New Year's resolution for the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, that's very similar to mine, which was to see what you have. You know, see what you have. The vets are, it's fine to play the vets. It's fine to play Alec Burks. It's fine to play Boyan Bogdanovich. But you, you got to see what you have in Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, Jay Nivey, Jalen Duran. Duran should be starting the rest of the way. Um, there's just no way around it. Uh, like I said earlier, I'm just tired of seeing Marvin Bagley play. So my New Year's resolution is very similar. And that's to make a very strong attempt to have uh, enough data to make an educated decision on some key roster spots heading into next year. What do you want the next playoff team for the Detroit Pistons? What do you want that roster to look like and who is a part of it? And you have a great opportunity with Cade out. You already know that he is part of that. So that's handled, but it's the rest of the players, the rest of the ancillary pieces that they have to spend some time in 2023 figuring out. And if I had to think of a second resolution, it's to Troy Weaver. Why don't you impress Aaron Johnson? Do something spectacular <laughs> for us. Make, make us make us know that you are worth this contract extension. Mostly Aaron. We're going to have a quarterly update from Aaron on if his opinion of Troy Weaver has changed at all. So, Troy Weaver, our resolution for you is to impress our co-host. Do it. Do it. So, somebody's got to. God knows the team isn't. Or not. <laughs> I mean, no, no. Man, I feel like I just get painted as the villain now. I just, I feel like I'm the Grinch at this point. Guy, <laughs> yeah, you're the Joker. Well, we will you're... let the YouTube comments determine that. Yeah, you're, you're, you're the freaking Joker, baby. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and people, people are going to take it the wrong way too. Like, I, I'm not, I don't want to get back all the way back into it, but I'm not saying like Troy Weaver needs to go or anything. I just. The fault, not the time. Was, I can't wait for everybody to be like, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. It's Aaron's used to it. Aaron, Aaron's New Year's resolution is for Troy Weaver to be uh, uh, jumping train cars and carrying a bindle 
on a stick with him. That's his New Year's resolution. He wants to turn Troy Weaver into a hobo. Wow. Cole, Cole in your stocking, Troy. I'm sorry to say. In two weeks, his resolution is going to be that uh, we should uh, turn off YouTube comments. That's right. Well, luckily, just that's, like most that's people, a much easier one to handle. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, Troy Weaver and and the rest of the Pistons organization will follow through on these New Year's resolutions instead of, like you said, Mike, uh, just quitting after three weeks because they realize that uh, buying a thing of creatine and going to the gym twice, unfortunately, oh. does not make you Lou Ferrigno. So. I've I've learned that it, it the hard doesn't. way, ladies. <laughs> uh, well, we've all sort of been there. We've all had, even if it wasn't around New Year's, you know, just things we wanted to change and just doesn't happen. You're like, oh, this is way harder than I thought. Forget that. But you know um, what I don't want to change, guys? I don't want to change this podcast, and I don't want to change anything about either of you, especially you, Mike. Thank you so much for your Christmas gift. Uh, I'm actually wearing it right now. Mike was more than kind enough to buy me a Pistons shirt. It is unbelievably comfortable. Uh, in the words of Ned Flanders, feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. Nothing at all. <laughs> nothing at all. Uh, you're very welcome. I, I bought Aaron a shirt from the same company several years back, so I figured should go ahead and top off the other podcast host Literally my uh, as well with a shirt. What's that? Well, sure, ever. Yeah. Thanks for topping me it, off, it, Mike. It's, it's, now that's a Christmas exceedingly, gift. Exceedingly comfortable. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, good. I'm very glad you like it. I know you're uh, listening. When we move into. That. What's that? Uh, you said, uh, Jasper said, thanks for topping me off, Mike. And I know Tim Forkins listening to this. So I want him to clip that. <laughs> I was hoping no one would forget that. <laughs> Oh, well. oh my god all right things are degenerating guys we got to get out of here we got to get out of here we get... okay all right well everybody thank you for listening uh to another edition of the palace of pistons podcast part of the believe network we hope you have a happy holidays as you listen to this while you're snowed in if you're in the northeastern part of the united states and uh again just continue show that support we're very very uh, excited to keep this podcast going into 2023. I, I for sure thought that we would have not advanced into 2023, uh, but we have somehow kept going. So thank you all for your continued listening. Um, and again, check out palacepistons.com for any written content. I know we're going to have some content coming soon about um, Jalen Duran and his likeness to Andre Drummond, uh, just more self-aware. So please go ahead and check out palacepistons.com as well. So that's going to do it for this edition. I'd like to thank my two co-hosts, Aaron Johnson, Jasper Apolloni, as always. And thank you, the listener. We will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.